0: Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold part of that short sentence. God's Word is always sufficient because Jesus is sufficient for all of our needs. And Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 29, he says, we are not only given the wonderful advantages of being saved because of His grace through faith, but we have also been given the Holy privilege to suffer for Him. Then, since we have been promised that Christ's grace is sufficient, no matter the tribulations, dangers, or persecutions we face, we will be able to always stand it. I'm excited today to do a segment I don't seem to do very often, because uh, it seems that ever since COVID hit or something, I don't know what my excuse is, but I've not done this with much regularity, but it is one of my favorites because it's called Friday with Friends, and it gives me a chance to not only talk to a friend, but it gives you a chance to meet some of my friends, and I'm awfully glad to have here in studio with me my friend Gordy Hampson, who I went to high school with, and uh, we, we we go way, way back. I, we were in high school a long time ago. Gordy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill.
1: Yeah. Pleasure.
0: Yeah, and it was kind of a long time ago we were in high school.
1: Yeah, it sure was. Yeah, yeah. i up in 50 years.
0: Yeah, don't don't say that. We have yeah. to, we have to edit that out, Rosie. Yeah. Don't let that go on the air. That's not right. Okay, Ooh, I don't know. I think I'm oh, keeping no, that no, no. baby in. That stays out. That gets <laughs> out. All right, uh, Gordy. I want to l- let the audience know about your upbringing. You came from a, a very specific family. You, you you grew up in a hockey family. Tell us about that.
1: Um, my d- dad Ted played hockey in the uh, 50s and 60s and and, and 70s. Basically, my dad's uh, youth team beat the Goliath team from Montreal, and uh, so they won the Canadian National Junior Championship. And out of that, many of the players uh, on his team t- turned professional, as as my dad did. So my dad played nineteen years wow. professionally. So it was a uh, quite a ride. We moved probably every three years, and I was always kind of the new, new kid on the block.
0: Yeah. Well, I had the pleasure of watching your dad play professional hockey for the Minnesota North Stars, and I thought that was a thrill. I thought that was as cool as it gets, Gordy.
1: Yeah, so um, the team is like family. Yep. So basically, one uh, one of my favorite stories is my dad got was playing with Detroit, and Gordy Howe was on the team at the time, mm-hmm. the most famous player at that time. And uh, so he'd see my dad and my two brothers walk down the Oh, and uh, my dad's t- nickname was Tick. Mm-hmm. And so he'd say, here, here they come, Tick-Tack and how
0: <laughs> So that's outstanding. So you moved around because in the National Hockey League and in professional sports, when a player gets traded, the family picks up and moves instantly, whether you like it or not, right? Correct. So you yeah. you continued to play uh, your hockey everywhere you went because you have uh, two brothers and everyone's playing hockey, aren't they? Yeah. So yeah. hockey becomes kind of an identity, doesn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, yep. kind of who the Hampsons are. They're a hockey family. Right. Yeah, yep. yeah. And was it hard being the new kid on the
1: block? It was. I mean, he, I really didn't cherish having to say goodbye to him uh, on the next trade. So when my dad was traded from the Oakland uh, Seals team to the Minnesota North Stars.
0: We were glad to get you in Minnesota. We were glad to have you come to Minnesota, and it was yeah. great that you came to the high school that I went to, uh, which was awesome, and you uh, were a standout player uh, at high, our high school, and then went on to play at the University of Michigan. Correct, correct, for four years, and you had a great career there, and then went and played professional with Calgary for a short stint. Correct, yeah, yeah. So
1: you were you were living, breathing hockey. Yeah, I used to um, get postcards in the mail for my dad playing in Madison Square Garden or Boston Garden or playing in the. Montreal Forum, or yep. that's how he communicated when he was traveling so much. Uh
0: huh. That's interesting. So, you'd get postcards from dad from famous ice arenas around the country. Yeah. Did you like getting those postcards, or were you wishing you could be talking to him more, or were those special? They were, they were very special. Yeah, I bet. Are they ones you kept? Do you still have them?
1: You know, I, I'm not sure. We're doing some cleanup at my dad's home. Okay. Uh, so, maybe it'll be there, maybe it won't. Okay. All right. I had a, a nightmare one time while I was getting these postcards. That this one particular year, it was my dad's plane that was going down about the crash. I started to ask the question: Does he go to heaven when he when the plane has a crash landing? Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm asking the question: Where do I go when I have a crash landing? Right. It, um, so that in combination with my mother. Falling apart with my dad being rele- relegated to the fourth line on the Fighting Saints. God is doing some work in our in our home, and uh,
0: Dad's on the fourth line of the Fighting Fighting Saints. Yeah. And some of the identity of the Hampson family is a little bit at risk here, isn't it? Yeah. So Gordy, what was God doing in the family at the time?
1: Basically, I think He was stripping it
0: all away. What we want to do is get to what God wants for us.
1: Yeah. The identity, my mother. Shedding tears in the bucket that loads. you mm-hmm. um, able to figure out what, what she's going to do next. And I've got you know, a husband that's real unhappy. And so my mother, during that time, um, lost one of her good friends. And it really sent her out of sorts. And uh, so she spent 30 days in the uh, Sister Kenny Institute down at Abbott Northwestern. And I, someone came to our home and took care of our, us boys, inclu- including my dad, his travels and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Was that like a mental health unit that your mom went to in, at Sister Kenny? Was it a little bit of a nervous breakdown sort of thing? Yeah. Okay.
1: One of her best friends and her husband, Dean Prentice, and his wife. His wife's name is June. June Prentice gave my mom an ugly green living Bible so she could read that. There's a note recorded in the Bible that said, uh, In Christian love, God loves you, Dean and June Prentice.
0: Beautiful. And they were followers of Jesus, weren't they? Dean and June. They were. Yeah. Yeah. And your mom read it?
1: My mom read it, and she went for several years and recruited some of her friends to come. Your mom gets
0: the Bible from June and Dean, and now she's starting to recruit others.
1: To Bible, Bible Study Fellowship. Nice. And she, one of the guys uh, that she recruited was um, our orthodontist, Dave Carver, and he's he gave his, his life to Christ.
0: As a result of this, as a result of her reaching out?
1: Yeah. Wow. I mean, getting him to go to BSF.
0: Yeah. So she's she's doing the work of an evangelist, isn't she? Your mom. Yeah. And um, you've got straight teeth. It's win win. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So my mother had a huge impact on, on my faith. And, Beautiful. Um, so basically, God is working hard uh, through the hockey community, through the faith community. And uh, so my younger brother gave his life to Christ watching the Billy Graham outreach. As a result of our involvement in a colonial church, my other brother, and I gave her lives to Christ.
0: That makes uh, me very joyful, Gordy, to hear all this. Yeah. It makes me very joyful that your okay. names are written in the book of life. Yeah. You have uh, have come to faith, and your brothers as well, and this is quite a transformation that's going on in the life of your family. Yeah. Your mom being hospitalized for 30 days, a caretaker comes in and starts caring for the, the Hampson boys, and through the initiative of Dean and June Prentice, they're reaching out and with the love of Jesus to your mother, and she's receiving the message and then making a difference in the lives of her kids. So far, this story's taken a wonderful turn,
1: Gordy. Well, I never liked to look through people's things, but mother passed three years ago, and uh, she still had that, that Bible. Beautiful. At the top of the next page, it said, Received, March 1972.
0: Received the Bible or received Jesus? Christ. Christ. Awesome. I love it. Yep. <laughs> in her own handwriting. Yeah. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. Yeah. Never have to wonder if your mom, you know, made a decision for Jesus or not. It's there in her own handwriting
1: in her yeah. Bible. Yeah. So uh, we're sharing God's love and uh, trying to be helpful uh, with my mother being ho- hospitalized. And, but coming out of that experience, Romans eight thirty eight
0: comes through with it. Romans eight twenty eight: for all things work together for good to those who love God and, and who are called according to his purpose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's eight twenty eight. 28. Okay. Great verse. And you can see that happening in the life of your family, can't you? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I, when I was at, uh, started going to Colonial Church on Sunday nights, you were there, Bill, there's 400 high school kids there on a Sunday night. And uh, so for the first time in, in my life, I knew that God loved me, that Jesus loved me. And that I wasn't going into the pit. Mm-hmm. I did something wrong, or or yeah. what have you.
0: You were saved and set apart. Yeah, redeemed.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. when a um, good friend Dave Pilger, uh, who invited me to come with him to Pokemon Fellowship or PF, mm-hmm. I heard the message, Colorado, Silver. Cliff Ranch, it's called, in Buena Vista, Colorado. Yeah, It's a powerful week, and I gave my life to the Lord with my mom on the phone. The question was to my mother, how do you accept the Lord? She said, since you have a counselor, find your counselor, ask him to say a prayer of faith mm-hmm. with you. Nice. So I found my, my counselor.
0: So you're at camp, you're at, in Colorado, you single out your counselor, you find him, you pray prayer of faith.
1: And one of the leaders um, ended, ended the service early. My counselor, Jeff, and I were in one of the bunk houses, our bunk house, and in comes the, it seems like an army of kids. And uh, <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're praying, and Jeff's going, <laughs> hey, Northern Gordy, Satan's trying to get his way with you. Uh, um, trying to distract you. Trying to distract me. So we'll just keep praying. Yeah. So I keep praying, and uh, pretty soon I hear... Congratulations, Gordy! Welcome to the family of God. And just uh, obviously, as the counselor Jeff shared with the rest of the, of the leadership that were on the trip, that really yeah. that thrilling that, moment. That's, sort of, that's what started.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, I don't know if you've downloaded the Faith Radio app. Go to your app store and check it out. I have to say, it's a it's a beautiful app. I've got mine on my iPhone, and uh, when you download it, you just can't believe how pretty it is. And you open it up, and it's uh, very easy to navigate your way through it. And you can listen to Faith Radio Live, or you can just uh, check out the podcast. It doesn't matter where you go. You can download if you've got that Faith Radio app. So give it a try. And if you don't like it, you know, it's easy just to delete it off your phone. But I'm pretty sure you'll keep it. We'll take a little break. We're talking to my friend Gordy Hampson, and it is Friday with Friends. And I love having Gordy here and hearing his powerful story. We'll take a short break and be right back. Welcome back to the show. It is Friday with friends, and I'm so glad for you to meet my friend Gordy Hampson. Incredible story. Growing up in a very uh, busy hockey family, uh, relocating always the new the new kid on the block. His dad uh, being in professional hockey for uh, years and years and years, and Gordy being a standout player in high school and in college, and had a shorter stint in the pros himself and. Gordy, I think it might be uh, interesting now to find out the last 10 years in particular of your life. uh, How many kids do you have? Three. Three, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're all grown now, right?
1: All grown. We've got two married. Um, We we just had a newborn.
0: Fantastic. uh,
1: Come in. It's a blessing from from God. So he's the first child of uh, my older son, Ryan.
0: That's beautiful. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Two boys and a girl, Christopher and yeah. Laura.
0: Yeah, awesome. So let's talk about what life has been like, let's say, for the last 10 years. What what happened 10 years ago?
1: I was noticing uh, symptoms in my right, right hand. I couldn't write anymore. I couldn't do buttons. I couldn't walk the same way. I wouldn't swing my arms. Uh, I was just getting stiff. Um, mm-hmm. I my my back and I couldn't get rid of it. So went to the doctor who referred us to a neurologist. So I, I um, got tested and see you in two weeks. See you in two
0: weeks? Yeah. There's a
1: relaxing two weeks. Yeah. I had a major event with, with a client. They were kind of the nuds that put me over to gotta get checked out and, and uh, go get healthy. So they were aware of something. They knew I was being tested, but uh, they cared for me.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. The client. Yeah. Yeah. I love it.
1: Yeah. So basically, uh, came up on a terrible day. Uh, I had a phone call where I had a misunderstanding with, uh, another real estate professional that I was doing business with. And, um, my client who cared for me, got my management team involved with, which I wasn't thrilled about. So I went and our house is, a uh, Close to a lake, I got a canoe and uh, just tried to relax. And Basically, um, I packed up the canoe, couldn't relax, went into the house, and um, all of a sudden, my legs and head thrown horizontally to the ground. And it was the evil one saying to me, I would never know that you would go out in the middle of the afternoon and and they'd find it at the bar, not not you. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, told my family about that, and then I had another experience. I was on the opposite side of town. Major temptation to to drink. Mm-hmm. No, no one knows me over there, and, and the Holy Spirit was on this shoulder, and the evil one was on this shoulder. Mm-hmm. I had a real faith, faith battle uh, on my hands.
0: So you were feeling a little hopeless at yeah. that point. Like, what's happening to my life?
1: Yeah. So two weeks went by. I went to the doctor, to the neurologist. My wife, Julie was there with me. And they said, you have Parkinson's. You're familiar with Michael J. Fox? And I'm going, wow. Wow, that's right. But you have to look at what God is doing behind the scenes because he was preparing me for two weeks. Trust me, Gordy. Don't listen to him, Gordy. Mm-hmm. For two weeks, he was preparing me to hear not a cancer diagnosis, but Parkinson's, and I didn't know really what what it was about. But it wasn't a stage four cancer, right? You know, deal. So when I say, "Guy could take me back in time," that's you know, it kind of strikes the chord with me. Mm-hmm.
0: So this is a condition that doesn't improve over time, does it, Gordy? Parkinson's. No, does it stabilize for periods of time, or does it just
1: yeah. kind of get yeah. worse? Yes, it does stabilize. It does stabilize. Oh, good. But, but it keeps getting worse. There's okay. No, no cure for it.
0: Our- okay. I'm curious because during the break you had mentioned about the difficulty that this brings, but you said to me, "I wouldn't want to go back," and that was shocking to me. Then we had to restart the segment, and I would love for you to share what you mean by that.
1: Well, I felt so clearly that God wanted to do something. With my life, and um, I had to seek therapy and treatment so that I could function normally. Mm-hmm. Because when you can't control what your arm's doing or if your body's contorting or, or right. not. Yeah. So. But we've had a ton of support. You know, people are praying for me every every day. And so I, I cherish that.
0: Yeah. Makes life meaningful, doesn't it? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. To feel the love and support of family and friends and... Yeah. I know you've got a a message or something you you'd want to say to your to your friends to to thank your friends and your family, but also send them a message as well about the importance of being right with the Lord
1: yeah I'm fortunate to have growing up with friends that their moms were like my second mother nice and so I had a chance to share that with a couple of moms but, um, <laughs> uh-huh not not all. All the moms that I appreciate over, right. over the course of my lifetime. But yeah, so...
0: What about some of our friends that will hear this message? Let's be talking to them as well. Because we love them, don't we? Right, yeah. And we want them to know Jesus.
1: Yeah. Basically, you as my friends should know that I discovered my faith 52 years ago based on the invitation that came from several of you, my high school buddies. And um, I can tell you that God's Word is never not true. It's truth that we live by, the truth that we have our being. You know, I was telling my wife uh, the other day that I mean, I, I'm not the organizer of our group. Others do that in their own way, but it's sure been amazing to think that I have known. Born in the same hospital, is, is one of my best friends, so for my, my whole lifetime. Mm-hmm. So if you could kind of say, I sure appreciate having the opportunity to know most of you guys my entire life. And um, we're so so lucky to have had the parents and uh, the blessings that we've been re- recipient of. Mm-hmm. So I think um, my message to my friends in terms of where are you with the Lord, it's taken me 10 years to realize that out of hardship, like many people have it, such a grander challenge than than I do, but God is real. He's a living God. His word changes from one day to the next in terms of the meaning of the words in the Bible. You come across situations where you need people to pray for you, and that that is the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. the, that is the Lord Jesus.
0: I, th- I think, Gordy, what I think you tried to say is is the, the Word of God is, is is alive and powerful and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And sometimes when we encounter God's Word, it impacts us differently from day to day, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because His Word never changes, of course. But someti- sometimes when we're working through something, we realize that God's Word is changing us in a new way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My faith has got me through this disease process and this learning process. And I was saying it taken me 10 years to, to learn one thing is that it's not about me. It's about the Lord Jesus. He blessed us with a tremendous gift. Everything's going to fade away. The Bible gives clear visions of unclear things in, in the book of Re- revelations and other books. It, it's hard to read, but God brings it all together. Yes. And, uh, he wants us to know Him, and to to know Him, like me with my grand granddaughter. Couldn't wait to see her, mm-hmm. but I couldn't because I had COVID. Okay. God, just I love the Lord. He saved my mother, and I told my dad that my mother's wait, waiting for Him mm-hmm. when He gets to heaven. And um, so I'm looking forward to having that reunion with Amen. That family. Mm-hmm. Any words for?
0: You know our our friends. We you know we 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 have amazing group of friends, and we love them all. And our deepest desire, me anyway, is that they would uh, have a saving faith in in Christ. And we live with a sense of urgency because we don't know how much time anybody has. You know, right. So we want them to come to a a place of decision where they understand the gift of salvation and receive it into their heart. That's my hope and prayer.
1: Yeah, that's my hope and prayer too. Love you guys, and if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, There's many people that I'd help would love to help try to help you understand.
0: Amen. That's a beautiful gift, Gordy. You're a beautiful man. I feel honored to know you. Likewise. Yeah. Thank you for doing the show. All right. Thank you very much, Gordy. <laughs> for Fridays with Friends, it's been a delight having you in the studio. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you want to receive a daily email featuring a scripture graphic you can sign up for uh for the verse of the day at myfaithradio.com i think you should do it i think it's great and if you want to share your faith radio story is if faith radio has become a part of your daily journey with god we'd love to hear your story you can share how god is using faith radio to encourage you and to help you grow you can do that also at myfaithradio.com all right we'll take a break and we'll be right back Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. Welcome back to the show. I'm so glad to have my friend Trevor Rubenstein with me. He is the Minnesota Director of Chosen People Ministries, which is headquartered in New York City. Is it in Brooklyn or New York? It's actually
2: in Manhattan. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah. And uh, we we do have a seminary in Brooklyn, and so we have a presence there. But uh, which is, I think, the l- largest populated Jewish area in the country is actually Brooklyn, New York. Really? Yeah, yeah, by far.
0: Wow. By All far. right. So. Chosen People Ministries is in, a, is in the right location then.
2: Yes. it have its headquarters. In, intentionally.
0: If the population is that high of Jewish people.
2: Yeah, of course. You, you go to where your mission is, Bill, and uh, that's why I live in St. Louis Park, actually, here <laughs> in Minnesota, because that's also the, the uh, highest populated Jewish area in Minnesota.
0: All right. Now, so you grew up in a conservative Christian home. Jewish. Uh, that's what I meant. I, you know, it's been a long day already. <laughs> a, a conservative, I, I say conservative Christian so often yeah. that it's just a normal slip. Sure, but a conservative Jewish home. Yeah, and you, uh, after your bar mitzvah, were pretty depressed.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so actually, I'm from Virginia, Minnesota originally, Bill, and uh, and the last component probably to my religious upbringing and practice. Had to do with a bar mitzvah, which is a celebration that Jewish people have when they turn 13 years old, um, and it's really uh, it, it's really kind of son of the commands kind of thing. So you become accountable mm-hmm. for what you do at 13. And, uh, and so, you know, I went through that, honestly, I did it for the money bill because you make pretty good money (laughs) Mm -hmm. as a young Jewish man. Yeah. And there's usually a great party associated with it. And, uh, and, and I did that as a young man, but, uh, that was kind of the end is, this is not an uncommon story amongst the Jewish people. Um, it was kind of the end of my Jewish practice and, uh, that really was probably the end of my family's focus on anything in Judaism also. Mm -hmm. So you are, you grew up in a conservative Jewish home, you hit your
0: bar mitzvah at 13, and then you end up uh, going to community college, right, after getting kicked out of high school?
2: Yeah, I wasn't the best student. Okay,
0: <laughs> all right. And then in school, you 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 brush elbows with a guy who invites you to something.
2: Yeah, And so uh, just as a little bit of an understanding, so so as a a Jewish person, the one thing that uh, is abundantly clear and that we're taught from a youth is that we cannot believe in Jesus, so much so that that's uh, one of the um, primary um, kind of identifiers. So I remember coming home from school one time and asking my father, wonderful man, by the way, but but asking him... um, what does it mean that we're Jewish? He said, "Well, we don't believe in Jesus." That was that, his, that was his response. That was the explanation. Wow. Um, because because you can be considered Jewish and be atheist. You can be considered Jewish and follow other religious systems. I, I think we, uh, you and I, had talked about how many Jewish people practice Buddhism, for example. But if you believe in Jesus, it's seen as something contrary to who we are. Um, it's, a, it's kind of a strange thing, Bill, because as uh, also we talked about, it would be as if someone was Norwegian and came to believe in Jesus, and so their family thought they weren't Norwegian any longer. Because Judaism is not necessarily um, exclusively, a re- it's not a religious tradition per se, uh, although Judaism I guess in, in that term could be, but being Jewish is is really a nationality. It's people who have common ancestry from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, uh, and so of course you can believe many things within it, but Jesus is seen as an anathema partially because of a historic persecution and things that came from the Christian community when the Jewish people lived in, in Europe. And so, so that I was very clear that this is one thing that was not okay. While I was uh, a depressed really kind of, uh, as I like to say, Bill, um, unprescribed pharmaceutical test engineer is a youth. Um, the, uh, the, 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 Jesus was not in the picture, but but a young man that I had uh, become friends with invited me actually to, uh, to something, and I couldn't hear what he said, so I agreed to come. <laughs> Strange. Huh? Yeah. Uh, you didn't quite hear it, but you
0: thought, why, why not? Right? Yeah, he ended up inviting me. Seems like something. a nice guy. What is it we're going to? I said, you said yes, and all of a sudden you're— you're at this thing. Yeah. Okay.
2: And uh and so he invited me and so we start walking through the school and you know more people are joining us and I'm kind of thinking what is this? And then he asked me if I have a Bible. And I knew what this meant, right? And as a Jewish person I knew this was something I was not allowed to participate in. I was an atheist actually at this point, but but still that was okay. Jesus was not. So um so I t- tried to make excuses. He actually um had quick and and very uh, poignant answers. Snappy, yes, snappy to, answers. Yeah, to all of my excuses. And so I ended out joining them. Um, and at this point, uh, we all were outside and he had a group of Bibles with him, right? And he asked me if I had ever read the Bible. And I, I said, yes, of course. I never read the Bible, by the asked me that question, (laughs) but I told him (laughs) I did, and and then he he said, well, we're reading in Luke chapter 15, Um, and so uh, I didn't know what Luke was, Bill, uh, because I'd never read the Bible. I I read parts of the Bible in Hebrew, you know, because of my Jewish upbringing, but I didn't know what the words meant. It's actually something that's common in American Judaism, where you learn to read and write Hebrew, even though you don't know the meanings Mm -hmm. of the words. Uh, It's more ceremonial. Sure. Um, and, uh, and so, so anyway, uh, he said, open Luke, I didn't know what that was. So I looked at the person next to me and where they opened their Bible. So I knew the general area to open it to. So I found Mm -hmm. it and and I remember he said, uh, wow, you sound, you found that fast. And I said, yeah, I told you I read this before. Um, I did (laughs) obviously, but, but anyway, so, uh, uh, so we read this story, the parable of the prodigal son. It's a powerful story Start in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. And, and the story talks about a young man who takes his father's inheritance early and goes and he squanders it. And then when he squanders it, he realized that he's impover- in his state of being impoverished. He realized that the slaves in his father's home were treated better than he was. So he goes to his father's home to become a slave. And his father embraces him and tells him, you're not a slave. You're my son. Um, and, uh, and I can tell you, uh, these words meant nothing to me in, in my, in my mind at that point in time, I was thinking that religion is, is, uh, is you have heard is the opium of the masses. Right. And so, uh, and so my thought was, this is just something that people do to try to appease their, uh, concerns, uh, when they don't understand scientific revelation. And, and, but, uh, but what I wasn't expecting bill was I, it was the first time I ever felt the presence of God. Um. So, being a Jewish person who is uh, who is an atheist at this point, that was difficult to deal with. Because because uh, three things really hit me right away. One was God is real. I had no theological training. Uh, second thing is everything I was doing in my life was separating me from Him. And the third thing was I can come to know Him through this person Jesus. I, I felt conviction. For all for you know the the massive sins I was living in my life at that point in time, and, but yet an overwhelming love and invitation that God wanted me to be with him um, I struggled with this bill i i actually uh I, I fought it um, you know I would take different Bibles and different translations and read it and uh, and the same thing was happening and so thinking that because initially I was thinking this was some kind of brainwashing it 's affecting my mind. But it, it kept happening when I was reading different translations, different sections of scripture. So, so eventually, I gave my life to him. And, and really, Bill, he saved me because I, I was suicidal every day before that, and and he took that desire away. Um, so for me, Jesus was really the difference between life and death. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if you wanted me to mention this yet, but uh, but interestingly, the, the I was the first Christian I knew because uh, this group was actually a cult. Um, so so I never joined them. But, wow. But uh, so a cult
0: invited you. And they had you get up a Bible, yeah. So you got me real curious. Now. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, uh, there are cults that use the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this cult is referred to as the, uh, and it's it's a well recognized cult at this point. They're called the Boston Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've actually reformed, but they had fallen apart at one time. But what their their teachings were things like that they are the only church. You can only be saved if you're baptized into their organization. Um, they would have you leave your family and friends if they didn't come into the church with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would have you move into communal living unless you were married. Um, you know, I remember they demanded 10% of your income. And in my conversation with them, I was a student and I said, well, that's fine. 10% of nothing is what, but they didn't think that was funny. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, but anyway, so, um, and, and they would teach that there was no sin in their church. Uh, that actually is what caused the fall. Um, because uh, eventually their leadership fell into open sin. And that was mm-hmm. how you could tell that they were God's only real church here on earth. is because there was no sin in there. And, and you know, I, we, we, of course, we recognize we're all sinners saved by grace. And uh, and Paul himself called himself the chief among sinners. So, so this was really problematic. But I, by the grace of God, I never joined them. Um, but, uh, but they were the ones that reached out to me first with the gospel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Trevor Rubenstein is my guest. And he is a director of uh, chosen people ministries in the minnesota area and he is an evangelist to the jewish uh, people and i'm amazed trevor that a uh, cult invited you into their their uh, their service their meeting and you first started understanding the person of jesus and eventually got saved but then were uh, wise enough to not be part of that cult but then you went and continued to do some work with other cults. I'd love to hear more about that.
2: Yeah. Well, um, I guess God's taken me in some interesting places. So, um, so I really had a heart for, um, for lost people, just period, Bill. Right. So, uh, so like I said earlier, Jesus to me is a difference between life and death. So it's really how I see him. Um, so my, my heart and my desire is for people to know him because I know that he He, he saved my life physically, but he can save people's eternal souls. And uh, and, and so in recognizing um, some of the problems with these organizations, uh, I really had a desire to reach out to them. I was really broken for them because I, I, often I saw them as people who, who were seeking some form of spiritual truth for some reason and just were led astray, kind of prob- possibly similar to the uh, parable of the sower. Right where Jesus talks about the sower that sows seed and then there's different things that happen to some of the seed but some of them are plucked away by birds and that's Satan taking away the truth of the gospel from them and leading them somewhere that they shouldn't be and that's really how I saw a lot of cult members and so uh, so for yeah many years I focused in that area and did quite a few outreaches to different uh, cultic groups.
0: Mm-hmm. So you are aware that People are spiritually hungry, and that you you have a sense of urgency to help um, bring people to a saving knowledge of of Jesus. Yeah, um, so, which I, I love that about you, Trevor. And so, when you are falling into a cult, you're kind of feeling not only blindsided because you don't know what you're getting yourself into, but you're finding people that are coming alongside you and just being nice to you, and that's kind of nice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's sad, Bill, but I think they do a better job of community than we do. Mm. Um, this is this is actually a massive component that I think is, uh, is problematic and something the church needs to really consider addressing. It, it's a problem, actually, in reaching out to um, Jewish people also, Bill, because uh, often when a Jewish person comes to faith, we lose everything. Um, because uh, it's seen as uh, as we're traitors or could be. So, in my my situation was was. Decent. My family's wonderful and very kind, but uh, but often we see that where people are ostracized from their community, and so it's it's their family, it's their friends, uh, it's their it's sometimes their job. They can lose everything, um, and uh, and they they gain faith and eternal life, but uh, but often lose community because like you like we were saying, Bill. Sometimes the church does a poor job of recreating that. And, and early when you read in Acts, actually one of the first things that they do is establish community in the church. Church. And uh, I think Americans kind of are fiercely independent, mm-hmm. and uh, the American Christian community can be that way too. And so sometimes they'll find fulfillment in ways that God intended us to be fulfilled through one another in the body of Messiah, in the body of Christ. And uh, um, But they find a, a, a greater sense of that sometimes in these cults. But, mm-hmm. uh, but people – it's kind of an interesting thing because this was similar in the drug and alcohol community is people find – uh, they find some there's something attractive to heading into some for some, something that's destructive together, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I don't know what that is, but it was always more enjoyable to to be involved in participating in these things with other people than by yourself. And there and it, it, for whatever reason, we desire to head towards destruction together. So yeah. so there's right. unfortunately something that heads in that direction.
0: All right, we're gonna take a little break. Trevor Rubenstein is my guest, and we are going to return and talk a little bit more about cults. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good. I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I'm back with Trevor Rubenstein. We're chatting today about his uh, coming to faith in Christ after growing up in a conservative Jewish household and then getting invited to a meeting that was uh, organized by a cult. And then he did some work with cults after that because he had a real heart for the, the lost and the people that are gravitating or found themselves gravitating towards cults. So I appreciate that, uh, Trevor, and you've also done work with people in drugs and alcohol, and I appreciate that as well. Um, so let's get back to uh, people that find themselves drifting into cults. What do you think is going
2: on there? Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of different reasons. Uh, it seems like my experience actually has been most people are, uh, are raised in them that end out joining. Uh, that's that's probably most okay. common. Um, but uh, individuals that... Uh, end out joining them. It's a similar story that you hear so often. It's like, uh, there's a struggle, there's a problem going on. And these are the people that come to them. I remember, so I spent a year and maybe go into a little bit more detail about this later, but I spent a year, um, going into a a Mormon ward, which is what they call their churches and, and ministering to the Mormon people. And, uh, um, by the grace of God, a couple of them actually came to faith. But anyway, while I was there, one of the things that they did is they invited invited me to an event where they were talking about the people that had come to join their Mor- the Mormon church, and they were just joining right at that point. And, and they would all give a testimony as to why they were joining the Mormon church. And uh, actually, they call themselves Latter-day Saints now. They don't call themselves Mormons anymore. But... Uh, but anyway, uh, so these these individuals, they were, uh, they would give the same story. You know, we're having a marital problem and these missionaries showed up to our house right at that time where mm-hmm. I was having this financial issue and we were really stressed out and these people showed up to our house and uh, it, it just broke me, Bill. I, I, I was, I was weeping because I was thinking if that was us they would have eternal life and a right relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. but we didn't come to their doors. Um, so, the, I mean, that that kind of thing really moves me, Bill, and uh, and I see it often as a shortcoming of the church, unfortunately. And I, I'm not beating up on the church. I mean, no, nobody's fallen shorter in their service of, of Jesus than me, I'm sure, at different times in my life. but. But it's just, it just really broke my heart and, and I think helped motivate me in that direction. So Trevor, when
0: you came to faith as a person who came out of a conservative Jewish home and your dad says, you know, what is it? When you asked, what does Jewishness mean? What is a conservative Jewish uh, family? What do they do? And your dad's response is, well, we don't believe in Jesus. Yeah. All right, so you've got. I'm curious about what goes on inside your family when you tell mom and dad, uh, because they must have thought you joined a cult.
2: Yeah, they did actually, Bill. So yeah, there's, uh, um, but uh, also, I mean, they're they're dealing with their kid that you know is dealing with drug and alcohol abuse or was, and it uh, was expelled from school, and all of a sudden his life <laughs> is cleaned up, right? Okay. So, uh, so there were, there was some appreciation for whatever was happening in my life. Cause uh, I was, I was, you know, they knew I was suicidal. There was some real concerns, I'm sure that just broke their hearts. Um, and then they saw this positive change. And so that was okay. Uh, but you know, I mean, they always thought I was a little crazy, right, Bill? So this confirmed it, but, uh, it, <laughs> cause Jewish people can't do that in their mind. Um, but anyway, so, um, So uh, my father actually at one time, uh, because I eventually started attending a church, um, a friend of mine also. Uh, came to know Jesus. He was saved in California. And, and so we uh, he came back and, and we both were talking about our faith and we started attending a church together. And my father, you know, noticed I was going uh, regularly and and he asked me if he could come. And I was like, oh, wow, my sharing Jesus is working. Right. And uh, I was really excited. And, Au contraire. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he just wanted to make sure I wasn't part of a cult. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I'm glad that he came to that conclusion that I wasn't, you know, it was just a healthy Bible believing church wonderful people um but uh but yeah that was their concern because because uh, cult I, I think that uh it's it's loosely defined right um actually it's not even necessarily a, in a negative term always in its description it's it's more so def- defining uh, a kind of a religious belief system but it can have a negative depiction to it um i think that, uh, in, in kind of my experience, Bill, part, part of the most concerning elements towards, uh, towards religious systems that we would consider cults is probably that they are giving, they're giving priority to an individual or to a group or an organization, um, over anything else. So, so let me explain this. So there's, a uh, in Scripture, when we read through Scripture, we'll see multiple forms of revelation. So sometimes God reveals something directly to somebody, right? That could be considered like direct revelation. Sometimes God reveals something to somebody, and then that person shares it with somebody mm-hmm. else. So that's secondary revelation. Scripture itself actually is based on something that we call um, that we call um, corporate or, or group revelation, because uh, the the Hebrew Scriptures become founded on. Uh, Israel receiving all of these miracles through the Exodus process and the the law coming down from Sinai to to masses of people, uh, so corporate revelation really established scripture in the Hebrew scriptures and in the New Testament too because uh, it's it's over three hundred people that saw the resurrected Jesus right so. So it's corporate revelation, group of people s- receiving something uh, together that really establishes it. But when secondary revelation, meaning what one individual or group, takes precedence over any other form of revelation, even over God's word, you start entering into kind of a dangerous cultic situation. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in the Latter-day Saints Church, you, you have this through their series of prophets and apostles and and uh, and their later doctrine. They, they have a funny statement actually, or at least used to, on the front page of their website when it was still called mormon.org, where it stated that whatever the current prophet says supersedes what any previous prophet said. So authority goes through an individual that tells you what God is saying as opposed to God's Word, or as opposed, to, uh, as opposed to any other form of revelation. So it always offers some form of control um, to an individual or group or organization or something to that nature. You see this in Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, with the watchtower, where that becomes the ultimate authority over how you can understand scripture. There actually was a there was a uh, a magazine in which they, uh, when they were telling other Jehovah's Witnesses to not study the Bible apart from the Watchtower, because you might come to the same conclusion of Christians, which is kind of a funny statement, um, mm-hmm. meaning maybe that's what the Bible is saying is what Christians come to the conclusion of. But but it always has to be filtered through this other organization because there's a level of control. Mm-hmm. What it ends out doing, I think most destructive, is Jesus died so that, as it states, in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 where it says for there is one god and one mediator between god and men the man Christ Jesus mm-hmm. and what they do is they try taking away your direct link to Jesus and saying you can't go directly to him or you can't go directly to god or you can't go directly to whatever spirit you have to go through us Ooh. Um, That way they maintain control. Correct. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's something that is fairly universal in a lot of Mm -hmm. these.
0: So Trevor, if your son or daughter or granddaughter or grandson starts exhibiting certain behaviors that represent someone's taking control of their mind a little bit, that might be an indicator that that person has drifted
2: into a cult. Yeah, Mm -hmm. without question. And it doesn't actually even have to be a religious system, right? Right. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, I mean I guess education at times can oh, can sure lead can. people into that type of direction. So uh, uh, but yeah it's, it's dangerous when when you're separated from the freedom to connect to the Lord and uh, and and incredibly problematic. Uh, so I mean, I'm very thankful for our faith.
0: Mm-hmm. So we only have about a minute left, uh, Trevor. So I, I've loved hearing the story. I've loved hearing your story of uh, coming to faith in Christ and making it your the rest of your life to share the joy that you have in your heart with other Jewish people primarily yes amen yeah and so with just about 45 seconds the question I always love asking a a Jewish lover of Jesus is is there anything that we can do uh, to be more effective reaching our Jewish friends
2: yeah Uh, it's uh, first and foremost Bill it's it's more tears Um, you need to be broken hearted I have yet to see a person come to faith without broken hearted prayer um And uh, and it's incredibly effective because the Lord loves that person more than even we do. <laughs> uh, but to but something that uh, you and I talked about briefly, Bill, is we're seeing record numbers of Jewish people come to faith right now, That's particularly so amongst younger generations. So, uh, yeah, if ever there's any way that uh, anybody who's listening is looking for help and reaching a Jewish person, you're looking for resources, please go to com. Trevor, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you.
0: All right. That wraps up our show for the day and for the week. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.